1999, when my wife Lynn died in a car accident, I wrote in my annual Christmas letter that on that day we were hit hard. But when the dust had settled, we were to be, to be hit harder with an outpouring of love, support, prayers, and generosity from everywhere imaginable. We were really showing what community is. The Park Ridge community, the St. Paul of the Cross community, and the deaf community really were an inspiration to us. It really helped our family. There was a long receiving line at her wake with an amazing number of people that um, came to offer their condolences. And one man that I became friends with from standing on the sidelines of the soccer field for many years as we watched our daughters play together, came up and offered his condolences. And they shared with me how mad he was at God for letting this happen. This really bothered me. I know that people go through many stages of grief, and anger is one of them. It's, um, many people, uh, you know, they feel that, and it, it is a natural state there. But this was a friend of ours, so there wasn't that much connection, so it really bothered me that, you know, he, he had this anger of God. Um, that's one thing I was very thankful to God for, is through this whole ordeal, I never felt anger through this whole event. And I, I just feel that a blessing. I don't say it's bad, it's just like, I, I think it was a very blessing that I, I didn't feel that way, because I, I just can't imagine it's, a, it's, you know, it's a good feeling there. This was a very good, nice Christian man. So a couple of days after the funeral, I believe, you know, I called him up and I went over to the house and visited him and, and talked to him that uh, it really bothered me that, uh, you know, he was angry at God, that, you know, God didn't cause this accident. You know, the speed and driving carelessly of this, you know, this other vehicle, the passes, was what caused it. We have, uh, God allow, allows us to you know, live our, um, on our own free will. He loves us enough to live out here with free will. And um, these are some of the consequences. So I knew God didn't do it. He, um, I was thankful for the time that I was with Lynn while she was on this earth. This experience made me realize that it's not how, we, how long we live, but it's how we live our lives. And as the older I get and see how time goes faster and faster and see how our life really is short, you know, that is really true. That it's, it's, it's not the length of one's lives. It really is the, um, um, you know, how we live it. When that hour came for Lynn, she was prepared for it. I never doubted that, and all grieving and missing her, I felt very happy for her because when it was her time to go, she was prepared. <clears throat> and, and what more could one ask for or want for a loved one than when it's their time to prepare? I was very blessed to give be given confirmation of this. A few weeks after the funeral, a storm blew through Park Ridge. Becky. <laughs> and uh, a storm threw, uh, blew through Park Ridge and knocked the electricity out in our house. So I'm outside with the kids because uh, we had no lights in the house and uh, we were over at the neighbor's house on our porch um, and it started getting dark and I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure how long this power is going to be out. So I thought, well, I'll walk up to the station because I knew I had um, some other flashlights in my locker. So I asked, who wants to go with me for a walk and get some flashlights? 
So uh, my daughter Jackie did, and uh, you were what about freshman in high school at the time, or going into a freshman, and my uh, my son Joshua did. Yeah, he must have been like third grade or something like that. So as we're walking, I was thinking about Lynn, like uh, like you know every day, like I always did. And I wasn't asking for it. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be neat if she would send me a sign? <clears throat> so you know, at that moment, I look up. And now with the storm blow through there, the whole sky was blue. You know, just bright blue. The only clouds you could see is like way over at the horizon, except for one cloud right above us that was in the perfect shape of an I love you hand sign. Uh, I don't think I mentioned my wife, for anybody that doesn't know, was deaf. And it was one cloud with nothing else around there, and it was the perfect shape of I love you in the hand sign. So I told Jackie, I said, Jackie, look. And she looked up, and right away she says, I love you. Yeah. So we said some tears there, and she wanted to run home to get the camera, but the wind was already, uh, you know, blowing this cloud apart. It wasn't staying there. It was there just enough time to, you know, to, for us to see it, and for the Lord to let us know that she was home, that she was, she was okay. Um, it's just a funny, uh, you know, sort of with little Joshua. I wish I remember how old he was. But we, we go back there and we're sharing this with everybody else. We're all excited. I don't even remember if we got the flashlight. Maybe we did. Um, but uh, someone asked Joshua, Joshua, did you see it? He says, I think I saw the thumb. <laughs> you know, but, so, but he was really you know, younger. So. Um, now Jeff asked me if I could give some advice to parents. And I think most... As I'm looking around, most of us has probably been through, you know, that already. Now, I'm fortunate with a lot of young parents, who, you know, with um, uh, with Emily, her age in that, that I, I've got a little bit of experience now uh, through trial and errors. I think by the, the 13th one, and uh, marrying an expert here, uh, that I'm doing a little bit better job, you know, you know, with it. But uh, as far as it, it specifically in law enforcement, um, the biggest thing that I, you know, try to you know, tell people is if your kids get in trouble. I think the worst thing that you could do is try to either lie for them or at any cost try to get it off, you know, try to get them out of it. And, and you see that a lot. Either somebody's got a lot of money, he'll throw the best lawyer on there and, and do anything they can to get their child out of it or their life from. I have to share a funny story. One of our officers uh, he sees his motorcycle and uh, for whatever reason, you know, wanted to stop it. It was over by Centennial Park. So he goes to stop it and the motorcycle takes off across the park. Well, he knew who the boy was because that boy was a frequent flyer with the, the Park Ridge Police Department. <laughs> so the officer goes over to the house and he comes up to the front door and meets the mother. And the mother is like, oh no, he was here the whole night. He never left. He's, he's been here the whole night. Well, while he's still talking with her, one of the boys, he had I think three boys, one of the boys comes running up in the basement, fire, fire, the house is on fire. This boy ditched his bike down in the basement to try to hide it from the police, and it caught the house on fire. It, uh, the fire department saved the house, but there's thousands of dollars worth of damage there. But that's not my, even my point in, in, um, in that story, because the real sorry thing is this mother taught this boy not to respect authority. And it wasn't too much later as the boy and her other sons you know, grew a little bit older, they didn't respect the authority of their mother. So we were constantly over there on um, domestics. And the one that I recall, um, that he hit his mother so hard that she cra he, uh, he cracked her sternum. And the grandmother that was in the house, he had to call a second paramedic for her because she was going in cardiac, uh, cardiac arrest uh, you know, over all this thing. So uh, I try to tell parents uh, you know, to be very careful. Um, you know, 
I'm not advocating, you know, I'm not trying to tell you don't get an attorney. That's up to each individual person whether they feel they need an attorney to have their rights protected, things like that. Um, but it's really important the juvenile justice system is there so the, the young ones can learn, um, you know, before they become adults and this stuff become, you know, gets on their permanent record. Uh, there's consequences for them, and if we shield them from that, they, won't, they don't learn these important lessons, and then you have bigger problems later on in life. So, um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, I've given a lot of talks, um, I was on the um, Community Health Commission, and we tried to get out to people's houses and, and have people host us, uh, you know, have some um, little snacks there and that, and invite their friends over. And we try to talk to parents of high school students, uh, middle school students, in a, in a small environment, uh, and, and have a little bit better dialogue with them. And a lot of the things you hear is that they, they trust their kids. Oh, I trust my kids. Because, um, you know, say, well, go in their room and check them. You know, my, my kids all know that, you know, that's... That's mom and dad's house. They have no privacy. Of course, we give it to them, you know, but as far as if we suspected anything or that, 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 that we, we, we would check on them. And uh, they would say, oh, I trust her. They wouldn't check on the computer or they wouldn't, or wouldn't uh, do other things because then they felt like they weren't trusting their kid. We were all born good kids, you know. Everybody on this earth was born. And, uh, you know, I always said, I have great kids, but it's my job to keep them good. And, you know, as a parent, if you're just saying you're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you know, watch over them because you trust them, you're saying that they're perfect and they're never going to make a mistake, they're never going to be there, uh, you know, when they make a, a bad judgment, a bad decision there. Uh, and I, I think uh, we can't use this, uh, oh, you know, I, I don't trust them uh, as an excuse for bad parenting. Uh, I, I think a lot of times, you know, we want to not interfere with them. Uh, and it, it's not the best parenting, because it doesn't make them bad kids if they make a mistake. Um, we still have to do our job, and they're still good kids. So that's another little bit of advice I, I, I give you, um, you know, on that. Um, and one thing that I'm really involved in, if you ever heard of it, we have posters always in town, is this MCAF. It's the Maine Youth Community Assistance Foundation. That was something started by the, uh, it would be two superintendents ago now from District 207, Dr. Snyder was he, with, with some of the overdoses we had with, with drug abuse and all the alcohol uh, that was being used in, in the surveys that you saw, the, uh, the, the percentages of the kids that were using alcohol, um, they weren't above the national norms. They were there at the national norms, but they were way too high for him. And he felt we had to do something. So he pulled every part of the community you could think of together, the park district, police department, fire department, the schools, the um, social workers in the area, all that, and started this coalition. And it's been going strong for, it's probably come on close to 10 years now. Um, and I'm not trying to recruit for them, but they have a, a website that they have very, very good information for, you know, on there, if everybody's interested. But that, that is their main mission, is try to delay the onset of alcohol use in these kids, because the longer that you can delay that, the more chance you're going to be successful and keep them away from being alcoholics and, 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 and other things like that. So, um, at this time, I'll uh, open up to questions. So how do they do their job? Do they do their job? Do they 
Um, they can they can always do their job, um, but you know absolutely like any profession. I know the priesthood you know the you know went through this with this um, uh, you know sex scandal stuff and police work you know work you, you get one policeman that um, um, you know goes bad he got a bad apple there and makes the makes that uh, ten o'clock news that night. It's a black eye on all of us. Um, you know I, I know Niles has had. Um, you know, a lot of bad publicity over there, and one of them was, you know, used to be an employee uh, for Park Ridge as a dispatcher when I first started. Um, so you're going to get them, they're going to do the job, um, and hopefully still have that integrity. I'd have to say it's, it's a little, um, it's a little rough talking about religion in, in police work, um, you know, for some, you know, more than others, uh, but I, I think they're still able to do their job, but maybe not relate it, you know, in the same way. They'll go there and they'll take a report and they'll leave. They won't feel that inner self that they have a purpose there that they can really help and make a difference. Because I think we can make a difference one person at a time. We're in, you know, they tell you in the academy, you know, why you got on, you're not going to change the world. But you, you can change things, you know, one person at a time. And I think that's what's, what they're missing in that if they just don't have that faith. If they miss that part that they can really go beyond that and, and do some good that, uh, you know, will really you know, and help that, that, that child, that family, think that. One of the most rewarding things that, that I could, um, that, that my experiences, um, was being able to help these families, like I said, especially when these kids were brought in, and, and some kids that I saw play, you know, soccer as, you know, since they were this little and played with my kids in the traveling league, um, got into heroin. Um, and it was just crushing because they were good kids. But for whatever reason, you know, somebody tricked them, they were maybe um, a little um, under the influence of alcohol and they got onto it, or some girls, I, I know that the guys just took advantage of them, maybe have a little uh, low self-esteem and they got in there. So you're able to get into, into the family and go a little bit above and beyond to try to give them that assistance to help them out and even make phone calls and, and things like that. I even had one girl that uh, was on a basketball team I coached and um, you know, then I saw that she got on, uh, hooked on heroin, and she even called me on the phone sometimes. This guy's on me, she just wanted help so bad. And it was really, really rewarding to be able to you know this person could call me personally and, and, and try to get some support there for that, you know, so. Um, Danny, you were talking about, um, you know, on the job in Chicago. I know Bill Whalen just retired. Congratulations, Bill, from the Chicago Police Department. Um, you know, theirs is a different job. Uh, you know, I couldn't do their job. Uh, you know, if I started there, I, I intentionally did. When I started police work, I was already married, and um, you know, Beth was uh, I think two months old. And I thought, boy, that big city, there is so much, um, you know, with the stress, with the crime, and, and so I was thinking about my family and thinking I, I went for the suburban departments where there'd be a little bit less. And uh, you know, it's it's a different job. You know, it's still very much reward. We still help people. There's a lot more probably community policing there. Um, but I think that would be hard, and, and I think it hardens a lot of people. And if people can keep their faith uh, and, and keep themselves from becoming hardened when they're in cities like Chicago, Detroit, LA, things like that, it, it's remarkable. So. Yes? Um, I know some of your own children are in police work as well. Um, what advice would you give to parents whose children are interested in getting into police work? How would what kind of advice would you give them to start out on the right foot? Um, I don't 
room did I give you guys uh, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know I was just very proud of them I'm, I'm not sure that I gave them advice uh, I mean you, you know your child so maybe for each one it, it would be differently um, it, it, that does bring a good point this police work uh, right Bill when we started it was a lot different and what's ironic about that, when we started, the old timers were saying how different it was, you know, when, when they started. So police work really does change it. And it does change for the good. Uh, you know, we've got cameras in every car now. Uh, the officers are educated. Some of the things that, uh, you know, we, we did back then would be fired for, you know. Um, you know, I'm not saying they real bad, you know, but uh, it's just things that, you know, that's just not professional. It's just not the way it's done. Um, and, uh, you know, so things evolve is... Um, you know, as the years go on. Uh, so advice, uh, you know, always just try to, you know, you know, keep it in the heart. Um, I loved it. I don't regret uh, one minute. Like I say, I, I do miss working on the street. I know even when I was a watch commander, I was always out there a lot um, because it, it can be very, very rewarding. Um, I try to, you know, tell my kids, to, I always say, you know, do you have your, your little friend with you? You know, they're their firearm because uh, in today's world, uh, I think it's going to be that off-duty officer that's uh, you know going to be able to you know stop a very tragic um, you know, incident from taking place. So I try to uh, instill on them to you know stay sharp with their tactical skills, uh, you know to protect themselves and, and others. Um, but other than that, uh, I just really trusted my my kids to. They're using that word trust again, but uh, yeah, it's a good point, and maybe I should have some something thought. You know, for example. It, 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 your example did it. Thanks. Just on what she's saying, would you tell the kids to stay detached from what they see and all the stuff and just do their job? Or would you say they should bring into their their own? Um, the question is, should uh, would you tell the kids to stay detached? Um, I, I think it's, I think it might be hard to, to do. Um, and there again, I, I don't see what a lot of uh, a lot of people in their um, career has seen in uh, in some of the inner cities. Um, although there were pretty um, you know horrific um, you know incidents there, even in Park Ridge here, with with some homicides and with some you know some tragedies like Terry's um, old daughter and things like that. Uh, so it's hard not to, but I think it's very important to talk to people. You know, if you see something that's uh, you know uh, very difficult to handle. Um, you know, if it's not your spouse that you can come home and talk to, you know, it should be, uh, they have a lot of good support, which is something that's kind of new. And, and when we started a job is, is, you know, don't be ashamed, go, go and talk to somebody, talk to either officers. But it's really important to talk to people about it to get it out. So even though it will impact you, you, you can still, um, you know, you go on and you're not taking home and, and kicking a cat and, and beating a wife, you know, as they say before, you know. In, in that case, a detachment, you have to leave, you know, you can't let it affect you to the much where you're bringing it home, but I don't think they should keep it inside. I think it's very important to talk about things so you, so you get it out, so then there's an understanding of maybe what, what you've been through the, uh, through the day. Bill, do you want to add anything on to that? Put you on the spot here. I know you didn't sign up for this. I but. come to listen to you. <laughs> so, um, well, you were right about, you know, the job has changed. And when we came on the job, the old timers used to tell us, kids, this used to be a good job. Now we're telling them, you know, new kids, kids, this used to be a good job. So things have changed. Yeah. So it's, it's an so, profession. But they do have, they are very important. Like I say, even though it's hard for us to change with the times, it is improved where they do, not, they now have trained 
uh, people to come in when there is a um, uh, real traumatic event, you know, either an officer shot or, you know, maybe the death of a young child that really affects people. They're able to come down there so these people can talk about it and get it off their chest and not hold it inside them. Okay. Thank you.